0: where we share stories about interesting and often groundbreaking research and innovations taking place at the University of Utah. I'm Julie Kiefer, Associate Director of Science Communications at University of Utah Health and host of this episode. My guest today is Tommaso Lenzi. Tommaso is an Associate Professor in the U's Department of Mechanical Engineering. He's also the Director of the Ergonomics and Safety Program in the Rocky Mountain Center for Occupational and Environmental Health and he directs the HGN Lab for Bionic Engineering. Today we're going to talk to Professor Lenzi about a powered exoskeleton, specifically a bionic leg that his team designed and developed. This is the stuff of science fiction, and I'm excited to learn more. Welcome to you, Rising Tommaso. TOMASO
1: Thank you. I'm excited to be here.
0: So you direct the HGN Lab for Bionic Engineering. Does HGN stand for something? And what exactly is bionic engineering?
1: So- Bionic engineering is the science of engineering artificial systems that work like living organisms or parts of living organisms. And at the Bionic Engineering Lab, we are particularly interested in bionic legs. So we are developing artificial legs, robotic legs, that work like human legs. And we are particularly interested in bionic leg prosthesis, which is the kind of device that a person with an amputation below or above the knee level uh, would use, and also bionic exoskeletons. Those are the kind of devices that could help people that still have their biological legs, but maybe they lost strength or control due to trauma or injury. And ultimately, what we envision is really a world where acquired or congenital body differences would not impair people, would not prevent them to achieve their life goals and do whatever they want to do. And we really feel that bionic can help them achieving this goal is the key to empowering people have the mobility they need and achieve their life goals.
0: It's so important to be able to meet that need. And what does HGN stand for?
1: So HGN is the initials of Hans Georg Nader, who's the chairman and founder of Autobach, the largest prosthetics and orthotics company in the world. And Professor Nader um, sponsored our lab and gave us this naming donation to really enable us to buy the equipment and instrument the lab with all the tools that we need to achieve our goals and pursue our research.
0: And how many people could this potentially benefit?
1: So there are approximately 1 million Americans um, living with amputation, and the number is expected to double by 2050 due to the prevalence of peripheral vascular disease, which is a complication of diabetes. But when you look at the number of people that are actually struggling with mobility, so walking or simple activities like climbing a few steps, that's much greater. The CDC estimates there are about 30 million Americans struggling with simple tasks, again, like walking or climbing a few steps. It's pretty much like one in 10 people.
0: So your research is really seeking to fill in a very important need. What got you interested in this type of work?
1: Yeah, it, it's a little bit of a long story. And for me, you know, I know I wanted to be an engineer since I was a little kid. And so being a major in college was no-brainer. But when I was in college, I got interested in medical devices, and I, but I didn't really feel quite ready. So I decided to do a master in biomedical engineering and then a PhD in robotics And at that time, I felt like, okay, now I have all the knowledge that I need, um, but I felt like I was really missing a purpose. And so I started thinking about the role of engineering in society. And, And, you know, I really feel like at the core, engineers are problem solvers. And tens of millions of people living with physical disability, I couldn't really think of a better problem, more important problem to solve than empowering people to live independently. And so I decided to pursue this field and to use my knowledge in robotics and bionics to develop assistive technologies that can help people be independent.
0: And you're making some great strides in this goal. Um, Recently, the Utah Bionic leg was featured on the cover of a prestigious scientific journal, Science Robotics. Um, And this leg is a powered exoskeleton for lower limb amputees. Can you tell us a little bit about this leg and how it's different from other prosthetics?
1: Yeah, so unfortunately, you know, we're not doing great with prosthetics. And so people are kind of surprised when I say this, but if you were to have an amputation today, you'll be given a technology that is fundamentally 50, 60, even 70 years old. And that's the best case scenario. So these prostheses that are available on the market are basically designed to keep you up and not so much more they are passive, they cannot move like biological legs can. And and, and so there's a really difficult uh, process of relearning how to walk and you have to compensate so hard with your body that everything becomes so challenging. So most amputees can only walk half the speed uh, that they could walk before amputation and they probably expend twice as much energy. And also um, the, the faults are quite frequent. And so fear of falling is a big factor. And uh, this really lead to secondary complications. Um, Depression is very common, again, because of the lack of mobility. But also osteoarthritis, uh, back pain are very common. Again, think about you're missing a leg and you're using the rest of your body to compensate for the weakness of this prosthesis that you're given. And so Our device is completely different from these prostheses that are available on the market, the Utah bionic leg has motors and sensors and controls. And what this can do is is these motors can pretty much generate power like your muscles can and can control the movements like your leg can. And so what we are trying to do uh, with our research is to combine these new mechanisms and technologies with more advanced controls and AI so that the Artificial leg, this robotic leg prosthesis, can behave like your missing biological leg. So something that is kind of also interesting is that, you know, this idea of putting motors in a prosthesis is not new, right? People Mm -hmm. have been trying for at least 25 years. But so far, everyone has failed because the resulting device, um, these motorized prosthesis were just too heavy, too inefficient, and loud to be really be used um, in everyday life. People just don't want them. And here at Utah, what we did is we achieved a breakthrough in actuation technologies. And so our robotic leg prosthesis, the Utah Bionic Leg, is much, much lighter and more efficient than any other motorized prosthesis. And in fact, when you look at the power and torque density, so the ability of generate power, it's actually exceeding what the biological leg can do.
0: Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. So. Could you use these legs to give people abilities that maybe they didn't even have before, like to run faster or jump higher? Or it's like the $6 million man. If you think of that 1970s TV show, for anyone who may have heard about that, that's what I thought of of right away. In that show, this man had bionic legs and Mm -hmm. arms and an eye and could do these superhuman things. Is that sort of thing possible or... Maybe not to that extreme, you know could you have a, just a heightened ability compared to what you had before?
1: Yeah, I think that improving or augmenting human mobility is definitely possible, and um, it is something that is interesting, but at the same time, in our lab, we're really trying to stay focused on mobility and disability and really trying to use technology to empower people to do what they want to do and. Something that strikes me is that when we think about disability, it really, for many people, feels like a binary thing, where either you are able, you are disabled. And I don't think that's true at all. I feel like when you think about mobility or ability, generally, you know, you see this lives in a spectrum, right? And you can move up and down the spectrum of mobility, right? For example, as you age, you do lose strength and endurance. And technology can definitely enable you to go up on this spectrum of mobility, enable you to do more and uh, maybe walk faster, run faster. But um, the way I like to think about the technologies that we build is that we we want you to be able to get, we want people to get to the level of mobility they need and they want to pursue their life goals. And so for some people, yes, um, being able to go and hike for hours is important. Maybe they're young, they're active, they want that kind of lifestyle. For other people, maybe they're older, all they want is to be able to go in the park and walk with their grandchildren. And so really, these, I feel like there's there's a lot of like personal differences that we need to take into account when we think about empowering people and augmenting their mobility.
0: And so for the people who take Part of your research, who have an amputated leg and maybe haven't had their own leg for years, I mean, what's the experience like for them to to put on this bionic leg for the first time and try it out?
1: Yeah, that's one of the most exciting and um you know rewarding experiences and parts of my job I'll say, and you know don't get me wrong, we're still in this research phase. It's not like every single experiment is perfect, but um, more and more often. We feel like we put this bionic leg on and you see these people walking around the lab, being able to climb stairs up and down, go around ramp, do everything so naturally. It just really feels like magic. It is special. There's also like an emotional part related to this that I feel like it's very powerful. Think about you had an amputation maybe 10 or 15 years ago. And since then, you've never been able to climb stairs. And now suddenly you're in this lab And, you know, me and my colleagues, my students are now telling you, okay, now just go climb stairs, right? And you haven't done it for 10 or 15 years. And so there's definitely like an emotional component about, you know, seeing these people being able to do things that are not able and they almost kind of gave up on, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's always like an interesting part. And it's always like a very powerful part of our research.
0: I'm sure it makes the work very satisfying.
1: Yeah, yeah, it it definitely does. And also, you know, I think when we think about mobility, there's some like practical aspect about it, right? Like if you're unable to climb stairs or deal with some obstacles, you may be not likely to do about your life the same way. And so definitely we think about that. But also there's something more fundamental, I think, just being able to know that you can do something or possibly you can do everything you want to do. This really is the key. It's not so much if you need it or not, if you need to be able to do this certain activity, but knowing that now you can really makes you feel like you don't have a limitation and you don't have a burden that you have to carry um, on your daily life.
0: And there's so much that goes into all of this. You need to research, do research to figure out what needs to be done. You need to develop the technology, build the technology test it, make sure that it's actually works for the patient or for the person who's using it. Can you talk a little bit about the collaborations that go into this project and, and who you're working with?
1: Yeah. So, you know, Utah has a, such a long history of biomedical breakthroughs, and we are inspired by our past. You know, the first bionic arm was developed here at University of Utah in the 70s by fellow engineer Stephen Jacobson. And so we really are standing on the shoulders of these giants. And, but the whole environment that I found here is very collaborative. And as you said, there's a lot that goes into this. Robotics is one of the core disciplines that we put in this. But there's uh, physical therapy, there's biomechanics, there's medicine. And here in Utah, I was able to find all the collaborators and experts that I need. And so, for example, we work with the director of the amputee clinic, Colby Hansen, at the Nielsen Rehabilitation Hospital. And so here's our primary, primary clinician. Uh, we work with Dr. Beau Foreman in physical therapy. He's our biomechanics expert. And we work with Spencer Thompson, who's another physical therapist in the Utah Health at Sugar House facility that does most of the amputee rehabilitation right after surgery pretty much. And, and the other thing is that we have an incredible amputee community around here. Uh, this really is a sense of community and a sense of wanting to help each other. And I think this is essential because I really wouldn't be able to do what I do without these study participants. And, you know, some of these people we've worked with for, I don't know, five, six years now, almost seeing them every week. And so it's almost like they become collaborators, right? Uh, their input, their feedback on what works, or doesn't work, it's an essential part of our research and development.
0: So you've reached some important milestones, and a future step, important step along this journey will be FDA approval. Where are you along this process?
1: Yeah, so I think we we are collecting the data and we're doing the studies, the clinical studies, that are going to support future FDA approval. And so we are lucky to have support from the National Institutes of Health and the Department of Defense to conduct these clinical studies, and so now we're, I think we're building the uh, foundations for what um, the future FDA approval will be. So demonstrating that this is not only possible but is safe and is actually effective. So it's it's very difficult to demonstrate that these devices ultimately empower people to have better mobility, and that's because we have to have significant number of subjects involved in our studies, and we need to conduct these studies in a way that is conducive to demonstrate the proper outcomes.
0: And is there commercial interest in the product?
1: Yeah. So we recently partnered with Ottobock, who is uh, the largest and oldest company in prosthetics and orthotics, and they have acquired the license to of the Utah Bionic leg to for commercialization. And also they provided a contract to my lab. So what's going on right now is that the engineers in my lab and the grad students in my lab are working with the engineers in the R&D of Autobach, which are located in Germany and in Austria. And uh, together we are taking the next steps in the project, which is really going through the redesign of the device of a new generation of the Utah Bionic leg that would be able to go through the level of certification and rigorous testing that is necessary to become an actual product. The goal is to try and bring the device to the market so that it can actually help people.
0: And when do you think that might happen?
1: Yeah, it's always hard. I know that's a tricky question, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it's tricky, especially because of expectations. And um, it really depends on how these clinical tests are going to go. But It could be as soon as three years. Um, So the time window that we're thinking about could be anywhere between three to five years. And it may seem like a long time, but the time that is required for certifications and make sure that the manufacturing is right and everything is done correctly is quite substantial effort. And so I think that's that's more or less a timeline that we're going to need.
0: And what is your vision about where this might be heading, say, 10 or 20 years down the road?
1: You know, I think we are living in such a special time because of the impact that we're gonna see of bionics and a i and robotics in everyday's life and for me, this is so powerful and obvious because you know i when I was a grad student about ten fifteen years ago when I started, people didn't even believe that this could happen right people the question was like. Are we gonna ever gonna have a robotic leg that looks like a human leg and and now we do, right? And now we're after the next question, which is like, okay, how do we put it out there? How do we bring this technology to the tens of millions of people living with mobility disability? And and so I think that's what's going to happen in 10, the next 10, 15 years.
0: Well, Tommaso, this is really exciting work and I look forward to hearing more in the future. Thanks so much for being my guest on U Rising.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Listeners, that's it for today's episode of You Rising. Our executive producer is Brooke Adams and our technical producer is Robert Nelson. I hope you'll tune in next week when my co-host Chris Nelson will be talking with Rodney Cohen about the USE HBCU partnership program. I'm Julie Kiefer, thanks for listening.